you look at uh, primary care uh, physicians, uh, they're simply not ready. And that's uh, coming from them. That's coming from the horse's mouth. Uh, there were survey results released this week, um, 30% um, said that they were not ready for the current wave, and 40% said they're not ready for the next wave. So no matter which way you cut it, uh, you know, 70% of them, uh, you know, simply aren't ready for, you know, whatever stage they're in or are anticipating. Hello and welcome to Cast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock. I'm here today with most of the staff of Healthcare Finance News, Managing Editor Susan Morse and Associate Editor Jeff Lagasse. We're going to be talking today about the ongoing toll of COVID-19, uh, particularly from a healthcare finance news perspective. Um, we're going to cover a few different topics within that. And uh, Sue, I'll let you go ahead and get started. You were just telling me about an article you're, you were working on today about this notion that, you know, we're, the virus is very much still with us and we're in a sort of new wave of dealing with it. Yes. Um, we keep hearing about the second wave, uh, the second surge, and I keep thinking, we're still in the first wave of this. It hasn't gone anywhere. So I felt so justified in my thinking when Dr. Anthony Fauci said Monday on a, uh, he did a Twitter uh, uh, podcast on uh, through Twitter with the NIH, and he said the United States is still knee-deep in the first wave of the coronavirus outbreak. So, no, it hasn't gone anywhere, and the American Hospital Association said the toll on hospitals will be more than $300 billion through the end of the year due to the COVID's effect on regular run of revenue streams, also the additional expense that hospitals have to go through, from setting up separate areas for COVID patients to buying PPE uh, and staff. Um, so it's still very much with us. So hospitals have been in a pretty rough state in terms of their financial situation dealing with this. I mean, you wrote a story a while ago where you said, you know, some hospitals were, were close to bankruptcy. How is that shaping out um, given has has the kind of has the government intervention been any help there, or what are hospitals doing to sort of stay afloat when they're needed most here during this crisis? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question because they did get that one hundred and seventy five uh, million allocated from the CARES Act and the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, excuse me, billion, but they uh, they need more. The American Hospital Association has written to Congress saying. We do need more financial support. Um, hospitals are not out of the woods yet. Uh, and it depends on the hospital. I talked to uh, Dr. David Hooper from Massachusetts General Hospital. They went through their surge in the spring the same way New York City did. But the surge has now moved to Arizona, Florida, in different areas and more rural areas. And rural hospitals are not in good financial shape to begin with. So now they're facing um, the growth in, in the number of COVID cases. The relief um, will come, the AHA hopes, in August. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said this week he would delay the recess the, when, sen when the Senate leaves for um, its month-long recess. He'll delay that by two weeks to try to finish work on a health care bill. So they may see regulatory relief then, and if not then, 
none of us will see relief until a vaccine um, is out, and that is scheduled for 2021 early, early in the year. And we'll get to discussing a little more about the vaccine and the timeline on that okay. soon. Um, but Jeff, I wanted to go to you. You also have been doing some reporting about how providers are, are dealing with this. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's really affecting everybody from, uh, you know, large systems down to, uh, you know, small individual practices. And uh, to sort of highlight that, um, you look at uh, primary care uh, physicians. Uh, they're simply not ready. And that's uh, coming from them. That's coming from the horse's mouth. Uh, there were survey results released this week. Um, 30% um, said that they were not ready for the current wave. And 40% said they're not ready for the next wave. So no matter which way you cut it, uh, you know, 70% of them, uh, you know, simply aren't ready for, you know, whatever stage they're in or are anticipating. Um, the problem is that they're feeling the pressure on multiple fronts. Um, they're saying that they still don't have enough personal protective equipment. Um, almost half of them say that they don't have enough cash on hand to stay open. And I think it's close to a third um, have had to lay off or furlough staff uh, this month alone. So it's had a profound effect already and will continue to do so. For a big uh, example, um, you need to look no further than Trinity Health. Um, they're based in Michigan. Um, they're a nonprofit, but they're big. I mean, they run, uh, I think it's 92 hospitals. Um, and they said this week that they anticipate uh, $2 billion uh, in losses in fiscal year 2021, which began the first of this month. So, I mean, they're forecasting operating revenue of about $17 billion as opposed to the $19 billion that they had originally projected. And that's despite uh, the money uh, that they received as part of the CARES Act, um, which that amount was not disclosed. But, I mean, here we have a large uh, major system, and they're talking about furloughs and layoffs and staff reductions and all the rest. So... You know, it really exemplifies the impact that's being felt from the very big to the very small. You also reported recently that hospitals are, are receiving a lot of paycheck, paycheck protection loans too, right? They are indeed. They are indeed. Uh, as a matter of fact, healthcare is uh, the number one industry uh, when it comes to industries that have received money uh, through that program. So what more can the government do um, to help our hospitals get through this? What are, what are they asking for? Um, what are some of the kind of ideas that have been floated? And this is for either of you. Um, well, uh, the American Hospital Association wants money. I mean, it wants another influx of, you know, the billions it got earlier saying this thing is still ongoing. We still need relief. It's not over with. And that's what the Senate will be taking up uh, in August. They didn't put a price on how much they're asking for. Um, so I don't, and even the first wave where they got that $100 billion in the CARES Act, one hospital CEO told me that, that you know, gave us payroll from, from how much they got for two weeks. But it's still not enough to keep hospitals afloat, but it helps. It might, you know, help them keep, keep their doors open and going and not um, suffering. And they're expecting this, you know, long term to affect them financially. You know, five years out, I've heard. I've heard uh, hospital executives say. Now, one aspect of hospitals um, and, and why this crisis has been so difficult for them financially is the suspension of elective procedures that's had to happen, both mm -hmm. for safety reasons and for, uh, for reasons to do with the amount of uh, capacity that the hospital has. So as this starts to shape into a longer-term uh, pandemic, uh, we start to see that, you know, elective surgeries that, you know, 
could be put off safely for some amount of time and maybe can't be put off indefinitely. Um, does, does that start to mitigate these things as people do start to come in for these uh, for some elective su- surgeries, or, or how does that fit in? Yeah, definitely that helps. And Mass General is going back to semi-normal on that, scheduling the elective surgeries and procedures that were put off. Um, and they're, they're ready for that, but other hospitals are not that are facing surges. Um, I tried to talk to uh, Memorial Hospital in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, they're just in the thick of it right now. They could not talk to me about what they're going through, but I imagine it's close to what New York City went through in March. Um, the one golden lining that I hear from everybody is regulatory relief, and the biggest one is telehealth where everybody is taking advantage of that and telehealth visits can be scheduled to take the place of these virtual visits in cases where you don't need to come in in person, let's say for knee surgery to, uh, to see a doctor. And this has been helping, uh, this has been helping a lot. In fact, um, America's health insurance plans today released a statement on how it's being used and, uh, AHIP said CVS saw 600% growth of telehealth visits through their minute clinics uh, in the first quarter of 2020. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee realized a 50% increase uh, in May over the year before, and Blue Cross of Idaho processed over 90,000 claims between March and June, with telehealth representing a quarter of all those claims. So. Um, what everybody wants to see is for uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to keep up this flexibility that it's offering under the, uh, the public health emergency and, and to keep it going. Right now, we, we don't know. Uh, um, CMS recently allowed home visits, uh, permanent telehealth flexibility uh, for home care, but so far, nothing else has really been... Uh, really been put out there from CMS. And I know that, you know, in, in addition to to that, that, there's also been a request for reg, even more regulatory lenience in terms of delaying the price transparency rules and some of the new um, information in, in info blocking rule, right? Yeah, they just say it's a burden we don't need to deal with right now. Of course, they don't want it at all. They filed a lawsuit, but uh, you know, against it uh, going forward by appealing the judge's decision. Uh, but if it goes through, that's January 2021, which is not very far away. And that just adds an additional burden for them to implement uh, those price transparency uh, regulations. Let's talk a little bit about how hospitals are being impacted right now in terms of the employment. Um, I know there's a new jobs report that just came out. Yes, um, it's one of the, the few bright spots uh, in this whole ordeal is that uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, just released uh, the, a jobs report. It was just published on um, Healthcare Finance News on Wednesday afternoon, so it's very fresh. Uh, it says that health sys- uh, sorry, say that again. It says that health systems uh, increased their employment in June by about uh, 6,700 jobs, and that's across um, all sectors uh, except for nursing care facilities, I believe. So overall, as an industry. Um, healthcare, I think, added 358,000 jobs uh, during the month. Um, so uh, there's, a, there's a small silver lining there. And at this point, I'm sure that the industry will take what it can get. Any more context or color in that? Do we know anything about sort of what these jobs are, or how it is that they're, they're adding jobs while they're losing money? Um, there was uh, a breakdown. Let me see if I can pull it up here. 
Um, yeah, I think the hospitals were the least uh, sector to add. To add, it was like sixty-seven hundred compared to dentists and physicians. Is that right, Jeff? I can't, I don't remember. Yeah, dentists. Uh, yeah, dentists actually led the list. Hospitals were near the uh, the bottom yeah. of the tier. In fact, they were the bottom of the tier. Um, they added uh, only sixty-seven hundred as compared to um, one hundred ninety thousand uh, for dental offices. Um, so you, you see some some disproportionate uh, you know. Uh, numbers uh, in the jobs figures that just came out. Um, you know, the best we can hope for is that that turns around. So, what is the what is the long term outlook for all this? I guess one question everyone has is is about the vaccine. There have been some really promising indicators, but my understanding is that even even in a best case scenario, you know, it's it's a number of months away, and it may not be. Uh, I think someone said it, the vaccine is likely going to be more like a flu shot than an MMR shot, right? Uh, sort of medium yeah, yeah. effect efficacy. I was asking Dr. Hooper about this, and he's a, an infectious disease expert at Mass General. So, you know, I, I said, okay, do we have to wait for the vaccine? Aren't we maybe at a point where so many people have come in contact with COVID-19 that maybe we'll all develop an immunity at some point because that's how the 1918 flu went away. Just everybody either was exposed to it. Um, so they developed immunity and that's how, uh, you know, it was dealt with because obviously there was no vaccine at that time. And he said, we're not there yet. He said 10% of the population has been exposed to COVID-19 and to get what's called that herd immunity, you need at least 60 to 80 percent of the population to have been exposed to it so we're nowhere near the numbers where we can expect to have this become just overwhelming in in our in the in the in the entire community so that we don't need to fear it anymore so the big hope is the vaccine um dr fauci said he expects the trial to go forward with 30,000 doses, with 15 uh, going to, uh, you know, as a control to some, and 15 being the real deal. And uh, that's ready to go. Phases one and two are done. And then um, HHS, of course, just uh, put uh, millions into uh, a vaccine, and Jeff has more information on that. Yeah. Um, so uh, they said that on Tuesday they were investing. Um, the figure is actually 1.6 billion um, in the development of an experimental vaccine. Um, it's called uh, Novavax. Sorry, the um, uh, the company that's uh, uh, making the vaccine is called Novavax. They're based out of Maryland. Um, the money is going to go towards uh, clinical development and trials, um, large scale, uh, scale manufacturing and delivery. And the the big takeaway I think for the general public is that because the government will essentially own the doses of the vaccine, uh, treatment would come at no cost um, if there's a vaccination campaign. Um, there isn't a timetable for that yet, but I think you know like the timetables for all the rest of them. Uh, you know, we're looking at probably early uh, in 2021. Um, but that's just one uh, vaccine among, um, I think, more than a dozen uh, that HHS was looking at. So, you know, maybe this uh, one is the answer. Uh, maybe it isn't. But, um, you know, hopefully at the very least, it gives uh, people hope and gives the healthcare industry hope as well. Yeah. So we have to hold on to January. I think that's our new, our new date to look forward to, I hope. Anything else, Sue, from from your conversation with Dr. Hooper that, that jumped out that we haven't um, hit yet? 
Yes, I, Dr. Hooper kept, kept at this. He said, the solution is not going to come from hospitals or even the government. It's going to come from the public obeying social distancing, mask wearing, hand hygiene, that people need buy-in on, on keeping this at bay. And I suppose that also sort of speaks to the question of, of reopenings and whether those are happening too quickly. Um, um, nothing's changed. So if things are reopening, uh, from, you know, what Dr. Fauci's saying is the first wave continues, you might as well be reopening in March. But that's my personal opinion. I, I'm sure others have different opinions. But we are in the first wave. This thing is still spreading. It's, um, you know, infecting young people. Uh, I heard on a, a news channel that young, a young person got it and said, I didn't think I could get this. Well, yes, you can get this. And you can pass it on to your parents and to your grandparents. Um, so the best thing to do is to keep going with what we followed in March and April when this first started. So, so Jeff, any other, any other final thoughts from you? Well, you know, just the hope that uh, one of the many vaccine candidates uh, ends up being the answer that everybody is looking for, because uh, not only would that uh, be, uh, you know, of great benefit, obviously, to the American public, but it would be of great benefit um, to uh, the healthcare industry as well. Uh, the sooner that, uh, you know, we get people healthy um, and that we get people um, to sort of reinvest their confidence um, in the healthcare system, uh, the sooner that um, uh, the industry can uh, can bounce back and resume uh, elective surgeries and bring back some of the employees that they furloughed and everybody's waiting for the day. And, um, you know, the best we can do is uh, hope that that day comes sooner rather than later. Great. Thanks, Jeff. And thank you, Sue. Um, thank interesting you, stuff. And hopefully we'll, we'll reconvene in a few weeks and, and get an update on this situation. I would like to end on an up note where Dr. Fauci ended that conversation by saying we will get through this and it will end. All right. Here's hoping. Okay. All right. Thank you both. And thank you all for listening. Uh, please don't forget to, uh, to like and subscribe to HIMSCast. Um, we really always appreciate your support and um, share on social media. We are still at a new podcast. Until next time. Stay safe, everybody.